it's good to be back. Uh, like, uh, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I'm happy to have you back. I don't know who... We had some clown on last week. Uh, I don't... I wasn't sure who he was. He just stumbled into the recording. And I was like, okay, we can, we can do it. You, you've played some games. You've uh, wasted uh, 50 bucks on Deadly Premonition 2. I won't find anyone else who uh, who's done that. So uh, we'll just keep you on for the for the cast here. I mean, good for him, though. Like, yeah, sure. If, if I just wanted an opportunity to talk about Deadly Premonition as much as possible, then there you go. But <laughs> I, I do worry about the, uh, the sort of... Um, mm-hmm. I worry what would happen if I left permanently and Calvin just had to replace me. I, d- I definitely think uh, that'd be a yike scenario. That'd be like, you know, Chrono Trigger, the bad ending. Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> something like that. Um, the nightmare future. The nightmare future, where it's just every week is like, what do you want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> be like, uh... Deadly, Deadly Premonition. But, you know, that's not the only game that came out, this uh, this absence. Uh, Paper Mario came out, right? Uh, yeah, uh, that came out, uh, for sure. I mean, it uh, it, it is sort of a, a bargain. It's a, like a budget release compared to uh, Deadly Premonition 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did not put nearly as much production value or effort. <laughs> uh, it actually runs uh, runs <laughs> period and um, yeah no Paper Mario uh, the Origami King I think we, we actually uh, talked about it a bit last week before it came out uh, well not last week last episode we do this only uh, every other week uh, thankfully um, I could not have completed Fantasy Star in a week yeah um and I I've played a lot of it actually. Uh, I'm I'm quite far. I would say I'm uh, I would say I'm uh, at the well I'm ha- past the halfway point. I'm at the fourth, let's say fourth chapter out of I think six. Uh, I'm sort of past past the middle point of it. I would I would reckon. Um, and it's very good. It's very fun. It's very charming. The writing. Uh, so I am one of the five people that played Color Splash. I said that last week, and uh, that's uh, a game that has issues, but is carried by its sort of writing, uh, the scenarios, the humor, um, the look, the aesthetics, everything. You know uh, that stuff. And uh, it has some problems with with game design, particularly the the battles. Uh, the battle system is not fantastic, but um, uh, Color Splash, uh, sorry, Origami King uh, improves on that, and um, I would say even improves on the stuff that was already good in Color Splash. It sort of doubles down on it, and uh, it is the first Paper Mario, and this took some uh, sort of re- reflection and, uh, you know, looking back, but it's true, uh, after someone told me this, that uh, it's the first Paper Mario since the first one that has an interconnected world, um, which is awesome. Dang, that is good. Um, how would you compare it to Color Splash in, as far as your memory? How positive was Color Splash? Now, positive is this experience? I would say Color Splash was definitely um, sort of, it was definitely, my opinion is definitely influenced by the fact that no one played it 
or or rather and the fact that sort of the series is so maligned and sort of bad-mouthed by Twitter uh, idiots um, for no reason. This seems like it's they... getting a warmer reputation, though. Now. Yes. People are warming up to this. Right, because, uh, you know, this is the fourth uh, Paper Mario that isn't an RPG, so, uh, you know, it only it's either four get entries. used to it or go away at this point. At some point, yes, you have to get used to it. Like, it's just futile to keep complaining. It's nonsense. It's no, it's, There's no use. Uh, to complaining because it's just a different game. It's not what you want and it's fine, but it's, there's no point in complaining because it's just a different thing. So, uh, and I think at this point people have been getting used to it a little bit and uh, um, it sort of filtered out the people that play it. And uh, yes, it's a comedic game. It's an adventure in the se- really in the sense of where it's like a scripted. Uh, you know, written uh, sort of uh, series of scenarios of like situations, characters, character interactions um, that aim to be sort of unique from moment to moment. And uh, it's obviously not perfect. There's some, uh, definitely some segments, some parts where I would say it drags. It's a little bit too long. Some stuff takes too long. Uh, some, you know, uh, it's, it's not perfect, but uh, overall, it's a very enjoyable experience. It looks great. There's some, and there's some. I would say there's some immediate top ten Paper Mario moments in it, where it's like after you've done it, it's like wow, this is uh, top shelf material for the series. There's even an emotional arc that Ooh. absolutely works uh, to 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 my surprise and. Um, I, I don't think they've done that before. Before, and I think it's uh, without spoiling too much. It is actually predicated on the fact that it isn't the RPG, because let's just say the big emotional payoff they do is sort of relies on the fact that relies on a fact that they you know that it wouldn't be possible if they did it in an RPG. It has to do something. It has to do with a mechanic that is that they couldn't do on an RPG. It's hard to it's I I will keep it this vague because it really is such a payoff, but yes, uh this is something they can only do because it's a a narrative focused game. Well let, um, let me ask you, because this is the impression that I get. Um so yeah. the battle system is mostly like a soft puzzle system where you have to adjust different layers of an arena to maximize damage to the mobs of enemies or or in a boss scenario sort of get to the boss right is that am i correct in this yes uh it's a you have to uh, basically align the enemies in a pattern that uh basically you have to align them in a row uh or like in a straight line i mean or in a uh bunch of four that you will then be able to hit with your hammer. That's considered a good arrangement, and that will give you an attack boost and will have you look, sort of help you finish the battle quicker. So there's so, an incentive there. To, so to... I guess my my thing is, and this is what I've been like understanding via the reaction, is is that that sort of like deliberate encounter design is really really entertaining and engrossing when it's um, scripted. And, like, all, all the stuff I'm hearing praise for is, like, the scripted stuff where they really put attention into the encounter. And then um, 
the ones where people are like sort of weak on is sort of the uh, the mundane Goomba that you you can avoid, right? And yes, um, uh, those, those sort of if it's a Goomba, yes, right? if it's a Goomba, you can actually hit it. Uh, you get you you still power up even if there is no XP. You still power up and get stronger by heart upgrades. That was already the case in Color Splash. You get heart upgrades and those actually uh, upgrade your base uh, power, your base attack power. And um, at a certain point, you can just kill enemies immediately with a jump or a hammer on the world. Uh, in the world, you don't have, even have to enter the battle. But yes, there is battles where the enemies are. Yes, where it's just a you know a, a a sort of regular battle, but that you don't necessarily want to do. But um, yes, where it's just a bit of busy work for sure. That's definitely an issue still. Uh, it's less of an it's less of an issue uh, than in Color Splash. They definitely uh, reduce the amount of enemies um, on the on the map. But uh, but yes, and there's you can still avoid a good bunch of them. So um, I think David said at some point that. Uh, uh, um, the avoiding part is actually fun in and of itself sometimes, sort of trying to avoid these encounters. And I agree with that, but yes, uh, for sure uh, there, there you will be, you will have battles that, you know, will sort of feel, feel a bit tedious. But uh, I definitely like the boss battles a lot. I, uh, they are completely different. They're like uh, Choo Choo Rocket style uh they work like Choo Choo Rocket, where you have to basically um, sort of shift around arrows and carve a path to certain icons. And, I understand, um, yeah. To do certain attacks, and you have to figure out puzzle. It's, there are also puzzle fights in the sense that you have to figure out what you have to do, like in what order you have to execute which attacks to, to even hurt the, the boss. So uh, they're quite uh, creative. Although, I have to say, the, the bosses themselves, it's weird. So... The weird thing with Paper Mario is, and they've said it in an interview recently, that they can't create new characters for it, uh, really. Uh, and they're like severely hamstrung there. And um, so the thing that happens is that everyone, that a lot of the enemies are toads. In Color Smash, everyone was like a toad. In this one, they can they use definitely more of the Mario uh, enemy cannon. But um, for bosses, they basically, in the previous one, you could use realistically rendered uh, objects, like a fan or like a pan, stuff like that, realistically rendered everyday objects for like certain puzzles. And in this one, I would say they sort of, they don't do that. They don't, you don't have to, you don't use those items for puzzles, but those items actually become the bosses. So it's weird. Like you fight the the bosses, uh, there is like, Elemental you bosses, fight like which a are... stapler, right? Yes, like there's elemental bosses which are original sort of monsters. That's fine, but the end of chapter bosses are like objects, the objects that you used in the previous game for certain puzzles. And it's obvious that um, that it's sort of it's a huge shame they're handicapped in character uh, design. Uh, with these weird restrictions that they can sort of do a couple of things like the main origami characters or the uh, these elemental bosses, but then obviously they have to resort to these weird everyday objects being like bosses um, because they there seems to be a limit on how many original characters they can design. 
And that's so weird that they are limited because, um, yeah. The limit just, is just like the, the Nintendo company wanting things to be ridiculously simple, though, right? Like, that's what's going on. Simple in what sense, though? Like, uh, like may- um, mm-hmm. I, I'm under the impression, maybe, maybe I got this wrong, is that the reason they've been sort of diverting away from, like, you know how in Mar- uh, Paper Mario 64 and Thousand Year Door, they, like, really emphasized uh, character work? Like, they put a lot of effort into a specific design of a character, um, and they made them a unique character, and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas nowadays, it's sort of more just like, I'm a bomb bomb. And he can have personality in the flavor text, but um, yes. not so much in the actual design of the thing. Because they want people to recognize that that's a baba. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, something like that. I mean, it's amazing because they sort of toads are like a collectible. Uh, you rescue toads nonstop who have been folded into origamis. They, in the previous one, they were uh, sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <coughs> they were. Uh, <laughs> they You're were sucked. drunk. Nope. Uh, they were uh, sucked to have sort of the color. They just, you know, they sucked out their color, so they were colorless. You have to had to restore the color. Um, and uh, all, even in the previous one and in this one, they managed to convey a sense of personality for so many of these toads. And there, hun- in this one, there's hundreds of them. Um, just with a few lines. It's amazing what their uh, team of writers, and in this, I mean, for us, we have to say their team of translators also. Big shout out to them, uh, who have also always, have always been amazing for these uh, RPGs, the translators. Um, the uh, amount of personality they can imbue these toads with just by a few lines, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's like, like some of them have like, more immediately recognizable uh, sort of a personality than most, uh, let's say, RPG characters, uh, full-fledged RPG characters. Uh, it's really incredible. But uh, it's still... I mean, that's you can say that sort of uh, creativity through um, limitation because of limit... like, due to the limitations they have, I don't know. But it still feels, you know, unnecessary. They could still, ha- like, imagine what they could do on top of everything, if they could work with completely original new characters. And yeah, they've gone on the record to say that it's kind of not possible. They can't really invent too many too many new characters. So, Dang. I've learned a lot. I'll actually check it out. I've, I've been very, very interested in it's on a blast. Switch. And I'm it... glad I'm glad the reception is much warmer than Color Splash. I think people are finally understanding yeah. the... Uh, the fundamental truth. I, I hope they actually, I've said it, uh, you know, in private, but uh, they, I hope they port Color Splash in some way because it's, um, it will feel like a step back from this for sure. But let's say the core strengths of this are exactly like they're present in Color Splash as well, the same uh, level of quality and everything. It's, uh, if you play the, play it for the comedic writing and situations and cameos and like scenarios that's all present in color splash uh, already and i think in most cases they've improved i'll say in one sense it's a bit, it's a step back they definitely up the number of collectibles uh 
in an unnecessary way. Uh, it's like it's just too many. I don't know what they, why they felt they needed more of them. But uh, since I 100% everything, I'm not looking forward to cleaning up the the ones I've missed. But you know, such what a can professional, Pablo's. Yeah, doing the but, hard work. <laughs> uh, it's tough. I should record like YouTube uh, tutorials. Uh, <laughs> for <Do> this, <laughs> no, nope. Um, well, uh, if you if you did high links for the PC, you wouldn't be uh, doing it for very long. But uh, I I'm definitely like after playing through Fantasy Star and uh, sort of just like thinking about RPGs for the past mm -hmm. few weeks, um, playing Hylix was uh, an eye-opening experience for me. It looks uh, insane. It um is a little insane. It, like the more you play, the more you sort of see its influences or like yeah. what influenced it. Um, this game is yeah. a couple of years old, and uh, the main reason that I remembered to play it was because Hylix Two just mm. came out, mm. probably around the same time as Paper Mario. Um, yeah. and uh, that was supposed to be like a huge improvement. I think like if you look at the uh sort of like ratings or whatever, it's crazy high so i'm very excited to play it but um i guess the pitch for it is it's an rpg maker game um that's uh visually super appealing and unique uh because it's by a stop motion artist called yeah. mason lindroth and uh it's sort of like a burnt that's out... a made-up name <laughs> i mean it might be I, I don't know the artist formerly known as mason lindroth i suppose uh but um it reminds me sort of like um, Earthbound in the uh, sort of psychedelic, like, um, yeah. I guess we'll talk about it more when we get to like Fantasy Star or whatever. But like during combat, it's that first person style where you see the enemy sprite and um, right. you basically do spells and it does sort of animations for that. And the appeal is everything is sort of a very unique, digitized, crunched, sort of uh, burnt out aesthetic. It's very uh, like old school um 90s uh jpeg compression almost mm -hmm, i don't know how mm -hmm. else to say that um yeah. and the music is even people like, should uh, google it uh, i think because to, to to really visualize it you need to see it i don't think yeah. i can do it just by the sentence. yeah you should put in hylix that's h-y-l-i-c-s uh you should put that into google at you know, just once and see, look at a couple of screenshots because uh, what's what's interesting about the music is also the music's not that good. Um, but what's really nice about it is it sort of lends to the feeling. And uh, apparently in Hylix Two they got a professional musician for it. Um, but um, this <laughs> time around uh, it was very twangy <laughs> and it yeah. had sort of like the earthbound distortion of like uh, jazz and sort of like the flat, like the flat fake trumpet sound if that makes sense the flat like i don't know how else to say that mm -hmm. but yeah, um yeah. it it's very like disorganized but it's so artistic and appealing um you play as a character named wayne and he's sort of like a waning moon he's got like a crescent moon face and uh -huh. um you yeah. go through you go through the world and you don't really know what you're doing um and the problem is is uh you know how you talked about the writing in paper mario most of the uh, most of the NPCs in Hylix are actually using randomly generated dialogue, so you have no idea what they're actually saying. They're just saying <laughs> random garbage at all times. Okay. 
Yeah, no, but it's but just, it's like it's still like poetic. Like just you like can me. tell that there's some recurring words and stuff. Um, but yeah. it's sort of like the celestial garbage pit of blah 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 blah. Like you'll just see the keywords that they'll keep using, but there's no hints really. You just sort of walk around. But what's nice is there's not a lot of grinding. It sort of avoids that. Um, the combat's hard until you uh, realize it's not the core appeal. Like. Um, Grinding isn't the answer because the only way to level up is to die, and you don't even really level up. You just sort of add more to your HP. Um, you're really supposed to look around for additional spells, add to your equipment, or find party members. And once you find a party member, usually like the next area or so becomes really easy. So like uh -huh. it's supposed to signal to you, hey man, you're not supposed to attack every single enemy here. You know, death is common and yet very easy at the same time i breezed through this in uh three hours and i was stuck a lot that so, sounds like, a bit like a balance again, problem it would be like an hour and a half tops that sounds like a balance problem uh to me like if you're saying uh you know grinding it doesn't help and you really basically it's too hard but then you have to find like a party member and then becomes too easy that's a bit that sounds like it's uh, uh it, it's kind of hard to <laughs> It sounds like extremes. that when you think of it in normal RPG terms. But yeah. when you play the game, it even advertises that it's sort of like not meant to be played like that. It's not meant to be played with heavy combat. Uh, the the most combat you'll actively do is on bosses. It's sort of like mm -hmm. Color Splash. I don't know how else to say that. Like, you don't want to fight okay, the normal okay. guys. You want to fight the huh. bosses. Yeah. And those huh. bosses have uh, detailed uh, systems to them. And right. sort of everything in between is um, not, like, the combat is not the main appeal here, if that makes right. sense. Right, right, right. Well, that, sound, that does sound similar. Uh, I'm surprised, actually. Uh, but, uh, yes, um, I will try and check it out at some point. Um, it's usually very cheap. It's, it's never that uh, expensive of a game. And I would recommend it to everyone. Right. Um, also very cheap, if not to say free, by the way, is... Uh, the Daydream cast, uh, <laughs> always 100% uh, on sale. Uh, <laughs> on all, on no one platforms. would ever pay for this podcast. However, <laughs> they, we should open should, up a Patreon. <laughs> no one, sh yeah, no one should pay for this, but I wouldn't mind if someone did. Um, this is Pavlos, and uh, with me is Brogan back again. Uh, yep. It's good we, to be back. Yes, we've missed you. We've missed, we've, uh, missed you. Um, here to bring you the latest in RPG Maker, uh, RPG Maker games from 2015, and uh, that's how we do it, man. We don't talk about <laughs> The Last of Us Two. We don't talk about what's that. Yeah. What's that? Why did you say that? Why did you? <laughs> why did you have to say that? <laughs> I, I don't even know what that is. Is that a video game? Is that a is that a Spielberg film? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> No, we're here to talk about the good stuff. The real E3, as a good friend of mine uh, has called it. The real E3, which is uh, all these juicy uh, Nintendo leaks uh, which have come out. Uh, Let me ask you, do out. you know... I, I think there's multiple stories going around. Do you yeah. know the story of how, we, how this happened? Uh... Well, I was told, or I just heard it's like 4chan, as always. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a bit of that. I I hear, because 
I'm not going to say what I do, but, uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a thing where people are exploring it now. I think someone got into the, sur- uh, got into a, uh, Nintendo server, saw sure. a bunch of old school, uh, assets, yeah. um, for the Nintendo stuff. And we're talking stuff from like the nineties and I think they're even like hitting early 2000s i i i don't know they go they're definitely including in 64 stuff um and uh we're seeing a bunch of content we weren't supposed to see ever and it's super awesome yeah let's uh you know just to mention a couple of games this is by far not exhaustive but uh it's we've we've gotten so much stuff for uh, this uh, basically to reframe this uh so these we have prototype versions and assets uh, that didn't get used and stuff for so many Nintendo games uh, like Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, Mario 64, Mario Kart 64. Um, help me out. We've uh, Ocarina gotten... of Time Ocarina. is a really big one. Like yes. that's really huge. And um, right. I got super excited by the Star Fox too. So. Star Fox. Um, there was also actually a Castlevania 4. Um, Prototype leaked as well. I uh, I also saw um they've they sometimes they just pull like single single assets and yeah. uh, I saw uh, a Zelda two SNES prototype thing mm-hmm. and it included the uh the sort of two D link and that looked yeah. really cool um yeah. stuff like that it's just a bunch of small stuff if you saw like Space World demos for yeah. Ocarina of Time there was a Space World demo uh, way back yeah. when. That looked completely different. Those maps leaked. Yeah. Like, we can see those maps now. And that stuff's crazy, awesome. The craziest thing, uh, and this is something, uh, again, this same friend, I'll just call him out, Piston, a very good friend, uh, has, uh, well, what's his online handle? He's uh, much more behind on the on the stuff. Um, and he uh, told, told me about um, a very interesting connection. So basically, there is a prototype, that was, un- that was not released or didn't sort of, you know, uh, find a... There's no clear um, sort of uh, game that you can match it to uh, that came out. And the prototype is called Super Donkey. And um, when you look at it, it has sprites that are in the style of Yoshi's Island. Uh, among them, a Donkey Kong sprite, so a monkey with a tie that is uh, designed exactly in the way the little monkeys are designed in Yoshi's Island, you know? Um, and uh, there's also, in the code, there's like a Donkey Kong that's drawn in the actual Donkey Kong style, so like Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 94, and that style. So, you know, extremely... Uh, that's It's just Donkey Kong, <laughs> let's say. And um, the there's a video of the... Um, of this prototype and um, it's basically uh, very Yoshi's Island-esque but uh, the music is actually sort of uh, the sound effects of the music are um, Mario Uh, they're actually kind of Mario 64-ish it's super weird and the guy is like just some guy with like pilot glasses and just a generic sort of platforming dude Um, but uh, the there's some visual effects that are sort of uh, from Mario, so it's it's so weird. There's a there there was a connection between um, 
Yoshi's Island, Mario World, and uh, Donkey Kong. <laughs> so yeah, um, let this me is ask what that you, prototype proves. But at some point, it became Yoshi. At some point, it just became Yoshi. Became uh, Yoshi's Island. It's uh, something. So my friend speculates that something happened. Basically, that something that maybe there was some. Uh, um, there was a connection. Maybe uh, something happened that led to some bad blood, uh, as it's as he speculated, uh, that sort of split the Donkey Kong Yoshi thing apart. Uh, well, I I, I don't really mean to. Uh... I, I don't mean to, like, add fuel to that fire, but, like, yeah. or, or, like, to talk too much on history, but, like, there has definitely been a, a back and forth between Donkey Kong Country and Yoshi's Island in yeah. sort of, like, a weird way. Right. I think people see them as uh, two different approaches and yeah. mutually exclusive for some reason. I think Donkey Kong Country fans don't like Yoshi's Island and vice versa. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's just you know that's the reception of them, but but yes, uh, obviously the way it turned out, uh, the two games are very different. Uh, yeah, but um, I encourage people. Uh, the it's super underscore donkey. That's the name of the prototype. Uh, to look at that, it's um, it's really interesting, uh, and you know obviously it it sort of has. Uh, um, sort of um, made possible a whole lot of new speculation. Uh, um, the, the two things I definitely wanted to touch on was, number one, um, I think even ignoring all the history we're finding out of um, these, these stories and these cut content, um, there's a lot of basic content that we would take for granted that I think is very important, such as high resolution, fully resolution, no compression, images of promotional artwork mm -hmm. um for different games and or in-game assets uh fully blown up to again like full resolution uh ignoring compression and all of that and that's like really really awesome like that's yeah that alone would be christmas right and um i guess the other thing was is there's a star fox 2 rom <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> I, I found one, yes. out about this, and uh, secretly, Star Fox Two is one of my favorite Star Foxes. I I don't want to say it's my favorite, but it's it's like I I love it dearly. And um, I mean, this what version else? included different pilots. Um, and if you play it, it doesn't actually play um mm -hmm. very well. It's worse than the current version. Like they uh, I'm pretty sure they removed Star Wolf. Or by removed, they didn't have. Star Wolf and different sort of things to it, um, yeah. or and Corneria does not have its own defense system, so the game is very very hard. Um, but it exists, and you can see like a little lamb pilot, and it's yeah. crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, um, no, for sure. I mean, for some of that stuff, it definitely is like, yeah, if you know the original, like if you see the playthrough of the Castlevania Four prototype, obviously you will get. Sort of, it'll be much more interesting to you if you know the game, if you sort of can compare it to that, uh, if you have it sort of in your head. Um, but but yes, I think for me the crazy crazy stuff, just because also of the relevance of the game and everything, and the amount that has come out. Uh, I mean, obviously with these leaks, they're not just uh, there; they uh, are totally dependent on the people that work through the material and. Uh, 
there's so Jared. much of it too. There's because yes, they, there's just you know you're we we because we don't do the work ourselves, we rely on people that uh, just look through it and post stuff uh, to Twitter and stuff. So, uh, but so far, uh, I think for me the most exciting stuff has definitely been just the amount of unused uh, I, sprites and you know the ideas that are tied to the to these sprites um, and the mechanics that obviously obviously didn't get used for Super Mario World. It's uh, staggering like the amount. Luigi There's uh, the bird. <laughs> yes. Or or Luigi yeah. in Super Mario sixty four. Right. I wish flipping yeah I wish flipping the bird was a main mechanic in Mario World, but uh, right they they weren't courageous enough I guess. Uh, no. Uh, the like uh, there is like some straight up. I don't know if you've seen this. I have to. I will have to share it with you later. Uh, but uh, there is like some straight up Mega Man. Uh, I saw them. I, I saw at least skull, I saw the uh, Mega Man sprite, and I saw yeah. the B sprite from the intro stage. I yeah. don't know if there's more, but it's it's nuts. And some stuff like the the craziest thing is the wing cap Mario to me. So the wing cap Mario. Uh, the wing cap was supposed to be a thing for. It was a design for Mario World. And they didn't obviously. It didn't happen until uh, Mario sixty four. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, so yes, this is all very very exciting stuff. Uh, for it's like Christmas in July for uh, people that care about uh, you know their game, video game history and uh, you know just uh, some uh, yeah these historical nuggets and and uh, again what's special is it's going to be ongoing. It's not over yet. So it's uh, not over. So just keep keep up on your Twitter feeds or whatever, and check them mm -hmm. out, and like be thankful for the people that uncover this sort of stuff. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just delight in the history. Yes. Right. Delight in the history. Uh, the old games are the good games. That's our motto here. Uh, speaking of which, PS2 on PS4? Question mark. Okay. All right. I can explain. <laughs> I, the way I pitched it to you sounded. I'm just going to go ahead and say everything. You probably yes. don't care about say, like, the one Say it all. <laughs> I, it I got the PS Now subscription. I decided to try it out. It's the uh, PS4 version of Game Pass, and it's much worse. Um, Wait, but it's streaming, I thought. Okay, all right. I'm, Game we're about Pass to get isn't all right, streaming. Yeah. Just give me a second. Okay. Um, there's, <laughs> there's three generations on PS Now. There's the PS2 generation. There is the PS4 generation. And then there's the PS3 generation. And technically, um, it started as a streaming service. And um, the ones that you can still stream now are the PlayStation 4 ones and the PlayStation 3 ones. You can only stream PlayStation 3. You can download PlayStation 4 titles because streaming those is really dumb. I don't know why that was ever a thing. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> but uh, for the PlayStation 2 stuff, all they do is rip it from the store. If you go on, if you check out the titles on PS Now, you'll see that they are the same titles available on the PlayStation 2 store of PlayStation 4. So it's just the ones that are supported on the thing. You just download them straight to your thing and you play them that way. Um, and mm -hmm. they must be using an in-house emulator. And mm -hmm. those um, those versions aren't really optimized at all. They sort of, I don't want to say it's super lazy, but it, feels a little lazy um at best it runs as intended but um i ran into multiple problems on these two are not on ps now i bought these because i'm dumb red dead revolver and uh the jack and daxter jack 2 both of those mm -hmm. 
run really, really bad um, okay, on yeah. uh, the PlayStation 4. Um, and most That's... of that goes into uh, frame rates and cutscenes. Yeah. Like, you'll have actual texture problems, and it's wow. insane. Yeah. That sounds really bad. Like that's uh, that sounds that's basically the worst I've heard uh, actually in terms of emulation because uh, you can play um, you know even on Xbox One you can play uh, they carried over some of the not many but you know some of the Xbox games that uh, and a lot of them are actually on Game Pass um, that they made available for 360 and. Um, uh, I think they've uh, actually uh, optimized them in some cases. So uh, um, yeah, that's yeah. I I think Xbox is miles ahead of yeah. the system. But uh, yeah. yeah, that sounds really bad. Like that's uh, I would say you could literally put PCSX two on the PlayStation yeah. four and run the ISO, and you'll probably have better performance. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's. That's really poor, and uh, I think that's but that's indicative or like symptomatic of Sony for me for the uh, last few years. Just basically, in terms of what they the new games they do, but also the backwards compatibility. Uh, it's just a um, ignorance toward their own history and uh, just a lack lack of effort and lack of interest in their own history. I think. Um, which is which is a bummer. They did a couple of remasters for PS4, uh, for like you know, Parappa, um, Medieval, um, anything else? Uh, uh, are you talking about the Blue Point stuff as well, like Shadow of Colossus, or what? I guess you could count that as well. Sure, let's say yes. Um, but but yes, overall, it's. Uh, it, I mentioned it when we talked about the Sony conference, uh, the online. Uh, you know, thing they did, but and and uh, I think it shines or it uh, shows in in their uh, in this. Um, that's why I wanted you to talk about it in this emulation story about the PS2 games on PS4. It's it's just not enough. It's not enough. It's like um, where's you need. It feels like there's one person missing. Uh, you know, one suit missing. <laughs> Uh, that's sort of just the quality of, assurance of... guy, the guy that walks in, looks at it, and goes, "This is a product people would want to buy." I think it's, uh, I think it's a bit, it runs a bit deeper than that. I think there's someone missing that's really uh, sort of at, at a higher position that cares about this stuff and will sort of personally make sure that some department is working on it and uh, not just one person because I think that's just one random guy won't have enough impact. I think there needs to be someone, uh, you know, that's a bit higher up that uh, cares and will sort of dedicate, will be able to dedicate a lot, um, and a lot some resources, uh, some human resources to it. Uh, that's sort of I think what's missing. That's uh, my impression. Uh, either way, it's not enough, and that's a bummer that those games don't run well because that's insane. I guess that's insane. Like, uh, um, I mean, those games had. They even had like collections, right? Uh, Jack and Dexter. Uh, yeah, Dexter. yeah. Technically, if you were, yeah, um, the like the PlayStation Three versions of these like run better than the PlayStation Two versions of these, right. which I guess is supposed to make sense. But I mean, I guess that just speaks to like they don't offer the PlayStation Three version. Uh, yeah. PlayStation Four can't play the PlayStation Three versions of these. So this is your only option. 
And I guess that's the worst tragedy of it, is if you can put your disc in, and it could run it, and it's fine, and it's just like a PS2, this would be a different ballgame. But yeah. it being the only way to experience this on an, on the current Sony console is the ultimate tragedy. Yep. That is indeed quite sad. Um, right. Um, I think uh, we should uh, move on, because we're actually running a bit long here, because we have such... Uh, passion for these topics so far, I would say. Uh, very important topics to us. Uh, but still, we must uh, push ahead. Do a quick itch minute. I will be very quick with mine. I uh, From the itch.io bundle for uh, Black Lives Matter, which I hope you all got, I recommend uh, Nuclear Throne, uh, which uh, I think has been a bit forgotten. Uh, it's obviously, by, it's obviously uh, a game by Vlampyr, who have been uh, my favorite game of theirs is uh, Luftrausers. Um, they That's are a game. fantastic at you know sort of uh, making modern games, but sort of really um, dedicating themselves to the um, arcade uh, stylings and the arcade game experience. Uh, Nuclear Throne is there has been the latest, the last release in 2015. <laughs> so they have a game announced it's called Ultrabugs that's still not out uh, five years later uh, because I think their small team is like uh, they have a lot of uh, coals in the oven is that something but you can Nuclear say? Nuclear Throne, yeah, Nuclear <laughs> Throne was like a huge success for them, right? I think so, I'm not sure uh, but yes, I think that so far uh, their games have been successes like Super Crate Box uh, Ridiculous Fishing, I think on iOS has was successful and then Luftrasis and Nuclear Throne, yeah, I think were successes as far as I know. Um, so yes, uh, Nuclear Throne, it's a uh, roguelike um, twin stick shooter and uh, it has several characters with different abilities. Uh, it feels really good, it sounds really good, the sound effects are really great. Um, play play that and play Luftrasis as well because uh, both, are, both are great. Uh, I think they do fantastic work. What's your game? Okay, and uh, my itch.io minute uh, game is Anodyne. And um, Anodyne, I don't, I'm not sure what else the developers have done. I'll talk about Anodyne 2 in a second. But um, Anodyne 1 is basically a Zelda-like. Um, and, it's, and it's a lot like a Zelda 1-like, um, at least in terms of uh, how you use your weapon. You use a broom to attack instead of a sword there's a there's a humor to it as in the oh you're not the chosen one meant to do this it's a little charming it's not overbearing which makes it work um but the thing i really like about it is the setting and art style um at the very least the sunk sections i played and it heavily utilized was sort of like a ruinous modern uh feeling to it um like mm -hmm. the, uh the outside settings were um destroyed cities you would walk along roads or whatever but then you'd go into a dungeon and it would be like a real zelda dungeon and the nice thing about those dungeons is even in the first one it utilizes um nice puzzles it's not like pure combat or anything and combat's a little minimal in, in a good way and um i enjoy that and then they actually made anodyne 2 um i don't know when but i played it earlier this year. i think last year it, yeah, it came out last year. Um, Anodyne 2, um, it, which is a sort of a, like a 
much different experience, but sort mm-hmm. of it's the same tone of nostalgia. It it it's more of like a play or a PlayStation in sixty four platformer yeah. type. Um, Legends esque, right? Mega Man what? Legends esque. Yeah, yeah, a little like that. Definitely. There's um there's some other elements to it, like you can transform into a car and stuff. Mega Man couldn't do that, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, it, like, but it's good for movement and all that. Like it, uh, it's a much more uh, visual interactive experience. Anodyne Two is, but um, there's still um two two D sections in that one, and um, those are good puzzles as well. Um, I would recommend both titles. Right, Anodyne and uh, Nuclear Throne, your games that you should play right now. Uh, you should have played already, but you know. There's still a chance. We won't be angry if you play them now. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> that's acceptable. Uh, speaking of games you should have played by now, uh, let's come to our game of the week, Fantasy Star. Um, and that's not the, you know, the Fantasy Star you kids know that you kids play on the the onlines, the, the onlines, all that the, bullshit, all that, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, this is a traditional RPG. Uh, and the series started out as a just um, I would say a prestige uh, title, prestige RPG uh, by Sega um, for their systems. And um, uh, the uh, Fantasy Star One came out in '87 uh, in Japan, '88 uh, the rest of the world, and. Uh, it just to put that in some perspective, you know, it's I, th- I was I thought it was interesting to see uh, when it released um, in comparison to some of these other firsts. Um, and for example, Final Fantasy One released two days <laughs> before uh, Fantasy Star in Japan. It's really uh, so they were like basically this, you know, so close. They were basically came out the same time, basically. Um, Dragon Quest 1 came out one year before, an entire year before that, 86. And Ease uh, 1 uh, came out in, uh, you know, for PC C systems uh, um, uh, originally, before it got the more, nowadays, more played, uh, well, people now play the remakes, but if they want to play sort of an original version, they usually play the um, CD versions. Um, but the very original uh, Ease one on the on the PC systems, uh, the Japanese PC system, systems came out um, also in '87, just like Final Fantasy and Fantasy Star, just earlier in the year. So we have like these firsts of like these prestige RPG series by different sort of co- console manufacturers, um, and uh, they all came out around the same time. Uh, you have to imagine, and it's like. These games were at the forefront of like RPG on console, on the the console RPG experience, um, and I think uh, it, we have to, you know, the thing is that Fantasy Star really um, went for it in so many aspects. Um, as like if you compare it to some of these others, uh, regardless of or of uh, if what you prefer, um, I think just some. Uh, on some external factors, you will see that Fantasy Star is re- maybe the most ambitious of all. Of uh, yeah, uh, I was gonna say like I've never played Fantasy Star before uh, this playthrough, and I have played. Uh, I've dabbled in Dragon Quest. I never beat it, 
Um, yeah. I have beat Final Fantasy One, and I can say that if you do a Pepsi challenge to the uh, to these games, like Fantasy Star <laughs> blows it out of the water. It's like it's not even a contest aesthetically, and um, sort of even just the story, the sort of narrative cutscene ambitions. Even if it's light, it's like completely a different ball game. And um, I guess the uh, it's it's just like a wow. This is on the master system too. Like when I yes. look at it, it's just like a visual treat. Um, this is probably the the oldest game that I. I had a visual enjoyment for for like a console JRPG. Right. It's yeah. It's a Master System game. We should uh, yeah. It's, I didn't mention that. The uh, subsequent titles up to four came out on the Genesis or Mega Drive. Uh, yes, this is the first one is on the Master System, and uh, yes, it's. Um, so it was. I, I want to say a couple of just you know historical bits here uh, that speak to the ambition of the project. So. Um, the uh, Fantasy Star 1 was uh, sort of uh, developed by like a team of about 10 people, you know, in a room <laughs> together uh, with uh, Yuji Naka as the um, main programmer and uh, Kotaro Hayashida on the, uh, being the, the main designer of the, of the game. Um, the, it was an ambitious game, uh, especially because it, unlike these other games, well, not all of them, but um, uh, like not uh, like uh, let me think. Well, well ease uh, is similar actually. But like if you think about Final Fantasy, for example, uh, one this one uh, Fantasy Star is a star is a game with unique characters um, and a very tailored sort of uh, written story driven experience um, that is much longer than Final Fantasy one. It ha the cartridge had a battery pack. Uh, for saves, for saving, which also makes it a, a bit rarer and uh, expensive today. The game, the original game, and um, it it is it was one of the four Master System games that used a bigger uh, four megabit cartridge. Uh, the other ones were Afterburner, Spellcaster, and R-Type. So Afterburner and Spellcaster, I think Spellcaster as well, being Sega games. Uh, our type, of course, not, but uh, but yes. So it was one of the you know it was very ambitious. It had several cuts. It couldn't even include anything. They 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 wanted like the game consists of three major planets that you travel between. Initially, they wanted the fourth. Uh, they had to um, they had to sort of cut down or like basically um, abandon the idea of doing <laughs> even more elaborate backgrounds and uh, enemy animations. So the the, the the sprites are quite unique and you know varied, but they don't animate. They have to they have to take that out. They don't animate in an intricate way. Um, uh, they they had a password system planned. They took that out. I mean, it has safe, so that makes up for it. But uh, it was just a huge project. And I think the biggest thing for me, at least, is that the game was compatible with the master system. Uh, FM synth expansion unit, which it had, which had a Yamaha uh, chip in it. Uh, that so added, the music. The music is a huge part. Uh, I mean, uh, this thing added nine more uh, channels to the console, uh, to the console's um, sound generator, um, and just the sound. I mean, it's night and day. And for people that love old uh, games. Uh, there's some consoles which are known for their FM synth uh, sort of uh, compatibility, and 
there you have like basically two soundtracks the one you like most people heard when they had the console at home and, and listened to it and then um the fm synth version which sort of was slumbering <laughs> was like kind of contained in the game that only people with some rare and expensive expansion expansion uh, could hear but now obviously it's very easy to you know play with, uh, to to play the game with because of emulation and stuff and uh FM synth just sounds dope. It's just uh, one of my favorite uh, sort of uh, sound uh, systems for the for games. Um, Yuzo Koshiro also made, uh, um, for example, the Etrian Odyssey uh, series. They have uh, he made like extra FM synth uh, versions of the soundtracks um, for those. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I, I I'm learning a lot. I'm going to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm done, I, like I'm done with the facts for now. But uh, yes, uh, just I think this uh, I think it was important to me to communicate or to sort of convey um, for the time the sense of ambition uh, I, this I, was. I, and the I, th- I think that was a proper gushing. That was a good gush. Um, um I I'm I I don't know. We haven't talked about the game itself yet. I'm I'm, a, is... I'm about to. Let, let me let me you know do yeah. my thing. Do your um, thing. Let's let's talk about the story real yes. quick. Yes. Uh, you play as Alice, which is super notable and also ambitious in its own way because you are basically a girl. You are a girl, and um, right, as right. a protagonist, that's really really cool for the time. Um, yes. And you are trying to avenge your brother's death, and uh, at, at the hands of the the Empire or whatever they call it in this one. It's basically like a tyrannical. Uh, space dictatorship under the it is a bit, yeah it is like it is a bit of it's very influenced by Star Wars I think that's uh, clear like it's very influenced <laughs> by that no but uh, even then it's really cool and um, there's there's its own creative things um, I particularly liked the party um, I liked Meow which was basically a Pikachu <laughs> I love Pikachu and then he later on transforms and I thought that was super cool yeah Definitely, um, I like the party as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the party. I'm a huge fan of the monster designs. Very distinct um, um, characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, each party member is a distinct character, and you sort of immediately detect their personality and such. Um, yeah. The the enemies are also, like you said, sprite work. Like, there's not a lot of animation now, but like they are so detailed in a good way, and they uh, are smart enough to reutilize them. They're so good that the recolors like you could just recolor them like the sphinx or the the you know what i'm talking about that one yeah. that yeah. sprite like in, in the three different color sets looks fantastic and yeah. um i i guess uh the thing that sort of uh really interested me was the expansive worlds you go through three worlds and it's not like i guess i'm used to rpgs where you would finish one world and then you finish the next and then you finish the next, and then it's time. But this right, one was right. featured a lot more back and forth. Back and forth, traveling, yeah. Um, us- utilizing space spaceships and such, and that was really cool to me. Yeah. Um. The um. Well, one thing uh that needs to be talked about with this game, we can. I think we should do it now. Um, is the matter of playing it. Uh, <laughs> The, oh yeah, uh, like the ports and all the versions. Yeah, 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 yeah. You go ahead and talk all about it. I was gonna ask you because you mentioned yeast. Um, 
There is also a. I saw when I was dabbling in the research. There's a graphics redo of this called like Generations or something. Yes, um, there's a Fantasy Star Generation is a PS2 uh, remake came out in 2003, uh, Japan only. Um, so they did the, they remade this for the PS2, but didn't come over here. Uh, obviously, there's fan translation, but uh, but yes, uh, but. Uh, well, personally, I don't think it looks that great. Like, I'm not a fan. Of it doesn't look. look that good, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you... The interesting thing is, I played the Sega Ages version by my... Uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> find the... I, I'm, I'm stumbling because I'm so in awe of their work. and <laughs> The M2 version. The M2 Gods. I'm bowing okay. right now. Okay. All I'm right. Bowing. All right. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna I'm... turn my mic off. You just gush about M2 for the next five minutes. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, and you played the. Uh, you played a uh, ROM <laughs> uh, with uh, co- co- uh, corrected uh, script, right? Like a cor- like a new translation, basically a uh, redone translation. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. So the. Um, the thing is, the Sega Ages version on Switch is absolutely fantastic. I can't praise it enough. It has a redone mode. First of all, it has so many options for how you want it to look. Um, different stuff like walking speed and stuff like that. Uh, you can play, you can have the uh, FM synth uh, soundtrack if you want. Um, and uh, the thing is, it has an Ages mode, a special one, which uh, the game has dungeons, first-person dungeons. Very similar to, like, you know, the CRPGs that Japan was so fond of, Wizardry and the like, uh, and uh, which is also very ambitious about the game. Um, and you had to draw your own maps for them. It was like... I got lost a lot. This was... <laughs> yeah. Continue. Uh, the Ages version adds a... If you want to play that version, adds a uh, auto draw map feature. It uh, adjusts the uh, XP and money distribution, uh, making grinding much less of a thing. You have to just basically don't you don't have to grind basically, um, letting you just progress through the game at a very steady pace. Um, and is you know it's just overall it's such a good port it has on the start menu you can have a quick look at all the the game has basically a very sort of um let's say um you know not such a huge uh, arsenal of like gear you know weapons and armor it's very you basically you can access a lot of them very early on just on the different planets so uh, it's more it's clear that the game was originally designed um, for basically you not having enough money to get them yet. It's much less of a problem than this Aegis version, obviously, because you get much more money. Um, but um, in the pause menu, it has an overview of which uh, weapons and gear are, uh, you know, have actually which stats and which characters can use them. And Would they this... have like an optimized build? A lot of RPGs have an optimized build uh, option. Do they have that? Uh, no, but you can just look up what the best armor is for everyone and uh, see who can use what, and also at what level, what's you know, what which which spells characters learn at what level and stuff like that. Um, bec- yeah, it's super handy. It's just very 
super heavy I information stuff. I wish I played stuff. that one. <laughs> it's dude. Uh, I can't. Uh, I I can't imagine a version of Fantasy Star coming, sort of surpassing this in the next decades. I don't. I don't, th I don't think there's. You know, I don't think there's gonna be. There's not much more you can do, and I don't think anyone will do more. It's it's a fantastic. It's basically the. It's a perfect version. Like because you can still, if you don't want that stuff, you can still play the original version. Like you don't have to have the adjusted uh, XP and money. I think it makes it a little bit maybe too easy in some. Uh, uh, you know, in some in some ways, but uh, I will we just say, spent, like the I first thirty sure... minutes of this podcast discussing yeah. how easy RPGs aren't bad, or at least in terms of combat and grinding. <laughs> this is, for me, for me, it was a very grind-heavy thing, because I played yeah. like, the, the normal version just with, like, a different translation. Yeah. And, um, it was a lot of grind. It was a lot of going out, killing yeah. monsters, the same monsters, but the werebat is so good. <laughs> oh, the werebat. The werebat. Wow. I and then, the uh, you go back into town, and then you <laughs> just take your little bit of money, Buy some colas, some hamburgers, and yeah. uh, and or, then uh, uh, your equipment, and then you just do rinse and repeat. And I basically uh, never had to use. Uh, I basically never had to use um, like these food items. Uh, oh man! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All is, right, that's fine. <laughs> it is a little bit too easy, but uh, I think the original is ridiculous. Like uh, it's too much grinding. Obviously, it's very. Uh, it's sort of. You know, if you do such a big game, you it's definitely there's some artificial uh, extending of the playtime. <laughs> Honestly, the, I wouldn't have minded so much. Numbers. Is, is, uh, the M2 version lowers the encounter rate too, right? Or at least gives you the option. Um, yeah, the Aegis version has a lower encounter rate, but you get more of everything, so it ultimately it's a plus. Like that you, sounds way better. Because ultimately, I didn't like the repetition. And I didn't mind. I don't mind grinding. There's yeah. just a level of it that was like, I guess, problematic. Um, that I guess that's one of the things I liked about going into the dungeons. But then I would get lost in the dungeons. Although creating your own map and really understanding the layout of a dungeon is really, really cool. And I, yeah. I definitely see the appeal of not knowing what's behind the next turn. Yeah. You're right. Uh, the dungeons have like very different tricks and like. Uh, are quite elaborate in some ways, and like you can run into bosses even, uh, which you don't have to face. Like, uh, um, if you don't want to battle them, like there's you can, you know, just run into them and, uh, uh, you know, basically be pitted against some boss which may be too strong for you, um, but you also didn't have to face it. Uh, so even in the original, uh, a lot of you know. Uh, regular saving was uh, definitely advised, uh, and um, yeah, it's. Um, I would say, uh, did you play it uh, out of curiosity? Did you look uh, up anything, you know, in a guide? What you have to do next? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I think if you like, we couldn't play. I think we have to repeat this point sometimes. Like, it, we do a games cast, and these games are like. It's not like modern games. Like you, some of these we have to just look stuff up for, you know, progression because otherwise we couldn't complete them in a reasonable uh, way uh, in like for in these two weeks. These games well, were designed for 
Uh, for for you know, long, long, long sections of time. And it's for children, there's a lot of time. reward to figure this stuff out. But I yeah. will say, number one, uh, the, the trend you should notice, a uh, dear viewer, is that the complaints about this game, I think are, like, emblematic of the games of the generation. Like, Final Fantasy 1 has this problem. <laughs> like, they all mm. have a grind problem. They all have, like, a, mm. a, a pacing problem in that sense. And so, like, the, the highlights of it really stick out in in time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. fix numbers, and you can fix the yeah. little things to it. Yeah. And, like, the obscurities. Um, I like the fact that you can go into a town, and then there's different NPCs to talk to, and there's different little puzzles to solve. Now, is it is it easy? No, I use the guide for it. But the principle of it is really, really cool. The thing is, yes, I would love, in a way... There's a romantic um, sort of there's a romantic uh, fantasy where I would love to play it the way it was originally played. I would love to sit down and just take my you know weeks for this and sort of be you know you would have just marveled at the amount of freedom and like uh, characters and these cities and stuff and exploration um, when this came out. Um, the thing is. Both the impact of that is lessened uh, to some in some uh, respect, and also just obviously the time and patience to draw out dungeon maps and just grind, uh, um, just uh, you know over and over, and also just figure out where you have to go, the next you know where you, which which dungeon is the correct one for me <laughs> to go into next. Um, yep. Yeah, and you, stuff like you, that. This this game allows you to make mistakes. And that's a beautiful thing, but it is also not like yeah. super good for the podcast. <laughs> right, that's what I would say. I think there's still a place for this, even to play it now, like it was. But yes, just for the podcast, it's uh, definitely it does definitely an issue. Uh, def- not the game's fault, but just uh, you know, it's just a um, realistic assessment of, of it. Um, uh, definitely the I would say it's interesting. I think. Um, the obviously the world is quite striking and there's a lot of good music and um sort of they you can tell they went for an atmosphere and like a sense of place um i will say the namings the the naming of uh places uh, of towns and of characters and stuff like that super i don't know what they did but something about their naming uh <laughs> uh structure or like the naming uh methods all the names, none of the names stick with me. I don't know how it's uh, <laughs> for you. <laughs> You're preaching to the choir, man. I remember the party names. Um, like, I remember the right. party characters. But I think that's because I was have, like, a very identifiable yeah. identity to them. Yeah. But I remember yeah. most things by, like, the landmarks. I remember, I don't even remember the planet names other than, oh, that's the snow planet. Oh, that's yep. the desert planet. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's so weird because the, uh, yeah, the, um, it's the 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 names are very strange. Like uh, the, it's just very weird names. Like Pazio uh, is one. Um, Apologies to all the Pazios. Tr- right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like ca- I think the one of the first like the main places it's called Caminit. It's C A M I N E E T. Really weird, like and it's like the plan or whatever I think it's called Palma, Palma, uh, 
It's like Kamenit on Palma. It's I'm just letting you talk. Sorry, I believe you. You can say just, any name. Right, because it's so the the names are very. I think they they messed up the names a bit. I think they're not very. They're like Motavia is one planet. It's super random. Like the names are very random, unfortunately. But um, the places themselves are memorable. Uh, at least that's I guess that's more important. Um, I will say the dungeons are double-edged sword for me. Um, they it's interesting that it's included in this and like a nice sort of uh, well something that the others don't do. The others the other firsts let's say I mentioned. Uh, this is something they incorporated from uh, sort of these um, sort of computer RPGs, uh, which uh, Western computer RPGs that Japan was uh, very fond of, uh, like Wizardry. Uh, I think it's interesting to incorporate them in a game like this, but at the same time, um, the I definitely enjoyed my time out of the dungeons more than my time in the dungeons. They can look very samey, obviously. Um, and also, one thing, one big, um, I don't know how you, uh, what your experience was, but one thing, at least about the Ages version, I don't know how it's in the original, but chests in dungeons suck ass. Like, they're so useless. Like, you get, like, I don't know, you get, like, 50 gold from them or, like, some, like, food item or whatever. It's super non, like, exploration is non. It doesn't feel rewarding because I, I I would agree with that. I mean, there's yeah. obvious exceptions to it, like when you see like in like an NPC offering you a jewel or something. But like for the most part, yeah, I would open it up and then my inventory is just full of shit I don't need. That that did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a bit of a, that's a bit unfortunate. Uh, I think that doesn't help. That definitely doesn't help in making the dungeons uh, engaging. Um, that was a problem. Yeah. But. Uh, Overall, I mean, uh, I think I like the combat in the sense that it's, I mean, it's very basic. Um, it's very basic turn-based combat, but uh, the four characters have uh, distinct enough roles that it was sort of, you know, still still interesting, still enjoyable. You knew sort of who was, uh, you know, which, spe- you know, the different spells that everyone had uh, made it interesting enough. Basically, you had someone... I, you know, cast a defensive spell and uh, another, maybe an elemental, and then obviously one is the physical guy who can't learn spells and and stuff like that. One maybe on healing. Uh, there was definitely, you know, there's definitely enough strategy involved there that it's not, at least not uh, less. Uh, it's not less interesting than these other games, these other first RPGs. That, uh, again, uh, yeah, like again, it's it's all about the Pepsi challenge thing where you're just comparing it to like the rest of them and it and it blows it out of the water all the problems are the same across the board and it's just you know the thing i i would say about um spells and stuff what i really liked was bringing bringing answers into a dungeon i liked the fact that um there was like there's pitch black dungeons and you needed flash to see the dungeon and uh, i i liked uh there was a spell needed to open doors and Stuff like that. I, I like stuff like that in the world itself, and not so much needed for combat purposes. You can also talk to enemies uh, with a spell. Um, you can talk to them. You can talk. Shin Megami Tensei. <laughs> yes, no, it is actually. Yep. Like you're kidding, but yes, uh, that's the case. Uh, very, very like that. Um, um, 
yeah, so for sure, it's, uh, I think, um, well, I'm not an expert on the series, uh, on the original ones, I'm, I, I'm afraid I've, <laughs> I've played more of the, uh, I've dabbled more of the online, <laughs> uh, the online, uh, sequels, um, but, um, but it was still very interesting, uh, to play it, I, I would say if you play it, um, the Aegis version for me is, well, you can still play the original if you think it's too easy, but... I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and I, say play the Aegis version. I, I trust, yeah. I trust what was just said. This is the, yeah, basically this is for me, this is the condition on which I would sort of recommend it, because, um, because, yeah, I, I, it's, it's very interesting, I think historically it's extremely, uh, it's an extremely uh, interesting uh, game, but, uh, and relevant game, but, uh, I would say, uh, the sequels are probably, from what I've heard, better, and, like, um, the, uh, it's just not worth it. It's it's not a good enough RPG to go through the uh, to go sort of through the uh, original um, you know tweet numbers. Let's say I would be open the, to playing another fantasy star on this cast. I, I I would definitely be curious to see where they took the series after this. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Because uh, you know it is ambitious. Like it has cutscenes. It has a it has a sort of big overarching story where you're sort of avenging your brother um, and stopping, you know, evil blah blah blah, <laughs> uh, usual usual fare. But it's still executed in a, I think some like people then would have called it uh, cinematic. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, and the uh, the world design, the sci-fi, it's it's a very cool and still unique, like still. The game, the games in the series, the online games in the series coming out. Uh, again, I played a big, uh, a lot of uh, two, and I played a lot of well, the Fantasy Star Online, the original, which is uh, still, ha which still has servers that you can play. It's kept a lot alive by fans, and it's are, very are easy we to... gonna play Fantasy Star Online two together, Pontus? Well, I played. Actually, I didn't play it. I haven't played it, uh, this new release. Sort of, they now finally brought it to the West. I actually played it quite a bit of the uh, Japanese release, which was always a you know pain <laughs> firing up through this launcher with this incomplete uh, and ongoing fan translation. <laughs> it was a very uh, and uh, I remember solving the Japanese capture to sign up. Basically, oh my I god, to... I hate I hate American caption. Like English caption <laughs> is bad. So. Yeah, no, I basically had to bring up like a uh, sort of a chart of uh, I don't know what it was, katakana or hiragana, and <laughs> try to recognize what's in the capture. Look at the chart and say, oh, that's this one on a time limit. <laughs> that's its uh, own I'm... game. I remember this very vividly. Yes, this was the hoops. The hoops you had to go through for the uh, Japanese uh, release of PSO2, the original. Now, it obviously, Microsoft brought it over with their money, and they just a couple of days ago announced a let's call it a a Realm Reborn fantasy, like Final Fantasy XIV, a Realm Reborn esque uh, sort of rehaul uh, rehaul of the of uh, Online 2, 
Um, will you explore that, or are you done? New Genesis, I think it's called. Um, I will play this. I will play this for sure. I think uh, sort of. I was on the edge. I was very close to play to diving back into two, but I resisted. And, you, uh, and your faith has been rewarded. My resist. Well, I would say lack of faith. But it's I would faith. say my resistance is broken. I would. That's what I would say. I I can't resist this new version, this rehaul any longer. It it, it looks really cool, more dynamic, more. Uh, you know, just update it. I think it's quite a thing to uh, bring this game, I think from when, 2013? Uh, they brought it this year, 2020. Uh, they brought it to the West finally, thanks to Microsoft, like I said. And But it's basically, it's the same game as, two, it's it's an MMO coming out in 2020 that's on the level, It's that's basically an MMO from 2013. And I think uh, it really shows um, it, I've heard a lot of people say that it's just you know, uh, Final Fantasy stuff like Final Fantasy fourteen just has done better in so many in in many aspects since then. Um, so I think it's really cool. They well, I would have liked the three, but I think a, a sort of extensive rehaul is just as just as uh, it's just as good. So uh, I will be I will play that. Yeah, uh, for sure. The silence. Um, I guess closing thoughts, because I didn't give closing thoughts. Um, I'll try out Fantasy Star Online 2, or this new uh, version, A Realm Reborn. But um, <laughs> as far as Fantasy Star 1 goes, um, I'm excited uh, to, to explore the others. I liked this one. This was a, this was a positive experience. Um, I would not recommend other people do what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little uh, hardcore. That's, that, that, that's it. You know, um, I think this made me. It's it's best when I see it like through a museum lens. Fantasy Star One could probably be put in a museum of video games one day. Do, do you get me? Where it's like there's a lot to uh, appreciate. Yes, I think not one day. I think it already can. Yeah, already you can put it in a museum for sure, but not in the negative sense. I mean, you can still play it. I think, uh, at the very least. With this this Aegis version, you can definitely uh, easily hop in and play it, and just go through it. Um, but um, but yes, I think uh, if you're uh, even semi interested in the history of uh, RPGs, um, there is no way past uh, playing this. Did we uh, did we tell people that we were playing Fantasy Star like weeks before, or did we do it right after Dead Rising? No, uh, yeah. Uh, Dead Rising, yeah, we did it at the end of Dead Rising, and obviously we knew that it wasn't it wasn't going to be enough time, so that's why you, uh, that's why we did Windjammers <laughs> between that. Yeah, yeah, well, I was out of town, but like even that, if if I didn't, if I wasn't out of town, I wouldn't have completed the game. Um, right, right. Uh, I would say I'm going to go ahead and prep this. The next RPG we're playing, not next episode, next RPG will be The World Ends with You, um, and we'll be doing that with David. Um, from the Twin Geeks cast. Yes, uh, very excited for that. Uh, I haven't played this game, but it's a favorite of, of David's. And, uh, well, first of all, I'm very happy to finally have him on. Um, and, yes, also very happy to, to finally get to that. I think I can say, uh, I think I can say when that is. Uh, that's going to be in four, we uh, four episodes, rather. Um, so this is episode seven, and the plan is to do that on episode 11. 
That's um, right. We have we have actual plans for this stuff. And since yeah. you're looking at the schedule just, now, I don't remember the next title. I know. I, I, I do. I do. I remember. Um, we, we obviously just appear sort of bumbling and stumbling and, you know, incapable and postmodern. That's just and... me. He is much more capable. <laughs> right. Uh, the, uh, the next game is going to be a little uh, Game Boy gem. Just something short also. Very short uh, to... Uh, to to get back to some short games here, and it's gonna be a personal favorite uh, of of mine, uh, Balloon Kid on the Game Boy, um, which is a you know it's part of the Balloon uh, Fight series, um, but yes, it's a it has a, it's a single player game and uh, and sort of a, a a story mode let's call it <laughs> let's let's call it that uh, and. Uh, that's gonna be our next game. I uh, I'm very excited to replay that. Uh, you haven't played it. Uh, have you played it before? I have not played it. I've played Balloon Fight countless times. So right. um, a a portable balloon fight sounds very appealing to me. It's also a game with a again another a female protagonist. Um, wow! Look at us. Yeah. Right. And uh, if I only think... we could get like a, like a female on the actual cast. Then we'd actually oh. be represented. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> we're done here. We're done. Yes, I think we're probably done. Thanks for listening. Thank you, bro. Very happy to have you back on. And, uh, right. See you. See you next time. Bye, everybody.